Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. podcast from the International Motorsports Association and Radio Show Limited. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. Live from Trackside, this is IMSA Radio. Hello everybody and welcome to our coverage of the IMSA Mission and Pilot Challenge Chevrolet Detroit Sports Car Classic. One hour and 40 minutes, 100 minutes on the streets of Detroit. And we're live with Jeremy Shaw and John Hindorf in the Global Broadcast Centre. Uh, very interesting track. We've moved away, Jeremy, from Belle Isle to a tricky and challenging nine corner 1.7 mile circuit. It's been catching out the very best, including the IndyCar drivers who were out there yesterday and today. Qualifying yesterday for this championship was surprisingly free of red flags, just the one for a relatively short time when Jeff Morsing went around and then reversed the whole length of the straight brilliantly, I thought, so that we could uh, get back to racing. And a little bit of a something different because we've never before had a single class in Michelin Pilot Challenge. Welcome to the broadcast. Yeah, thank you very much. Great to be here. I mean, I remember the old uh, Detroit Street Circuit back uh, when the uh, Formula One cars and Indy cars ran there, uh, whenever that was quite a long time ago now. And uh, it, it, was a, it was a tremendous event all the way around. Uh, and it was rough. Uh, and this, tra- this track is different. Uh, than the old ones, not the same by any means. There's some elements that are similar, uh, the bumpiness being one of them. But look, everybody I've spoken to, John, loves this track. They love the challenge here. Mm. Uh, it, it's it's not easy. Uh, um, the the suspension engineers have had to work overtime. There's a tricky little bit between five, six, and seven, where even the GT4 cars are grounding out. But my goodness, you can see them working and it, i mean in some ways jeremy fortune favors the brave here on any street circuit the people who are good enough to get to the walls and close to the walls consistently without hitting them they're going to find the best lap times and that's what we saw yesterday yes they are you're exactly right it is a, it is a real challenge right here funny one of the drivers i spoke to after the first session said the indycar indycar floors aren't going to like this track <laughs> but the drivers do because as, they, as you say it, it's a challenge it's different uh, there is some elevation change here a little bit uh, and uh, irrespective of the bumps <laughs> and one of the guys told me that the rear wheels of the car were off the ground for 30 feet at one stage um, on the on the main long straightaway and that long straight it's is probably the longest I think it is the longest uh, straight straight anywhere on the circuit it's longer even than the front straight going backwards on the Indianapolis road course that oh, really? the IndyCars ran uh, you know, a, a few weeks ago. Um, and so far as IMSA are concerned, the first street race we've had for the Michelin Pilot Challenge since um, since uh, Trois-Rivières back in the uh, uh, late 80s, so a long, long time. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, yeah, I, I love these sort of tracks. I raced, I did a Motorola Cup race, which is a forerunner of the Michelin Pilot Challenge on the streets of Toronto uh, many years ago and absolutely loved it. Uh, th- 
22 cars on the entry list. Jeremy's going to take a deep breath as we fire off the music in our countdown to green for the IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge. It's the Chevrolet Detroit Sports Car Classic, and here's how they line up. Well, it'll be the round four of the IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge for the 2023 seasons. So just GS cars this weekend, no, no TCRs. They will have their own standalone race at Lime Rock Park next month. But uh, for now then, 22 cars on the grid at the, at the very back of the field, having set the third fastest lap in qualifying, but unfortunately the car failed post uh, qualifying technical inspection. Rear wing was out of uh, tolerance. Car number 13, that's Jensen Altsman in the McCombie McAleer racing with Aerosport Ford Mustang GT4, car number 13, unlucky for him. Uh, also sharing him, uh, sharing with him on the back row of the grid, car number 64, that's Ted Giovannis in the team TGM Aston Martin Vantage GT4. Row 10, Frank Depew in car number 71, the Rebel Rock Racing Chevrolet Camaro GT4R. That's a, a fan favourite this weekend for sure. Alongside him, Sean Quinlan in car number 43, Stephen Cameron Racing BMW M4 GT4. Anton Diaz Pereira will start car number 27. That's a Lone Star Racing Mercedes AMG GT4 on the 18th position. Alongside him, Bob McCallion in the core motorsports ford mustang gt4 car number 59 that car has all sorts of problems through practice finn barletta will start number 96 turner motorsports bmw from the 16th position alongside todd coleman in car number 88 the archangel motorsports aston martin vantage gt4 jeff mosing after those problems in qualifying will start in the 14th position in car number 56 that's one of three Marilla Racing Mercedes AMGs in the field. Alongside Tom Collingwood, qualified 13th in Calibre 83, the BGB Motorsports Porsche 718 GT4 RS CS. 12th on the grid, Moise Uretsky, Calibre 44, the accelerating performance Aston Martin Vantage GT4. Alongside the Windwood Racing Calibre 57, that's a Mercedes driven by Bryce Ward. Top 10. Sean McAllister in car number 39, the car barn with Peregrine Racing Porsche 718 GT4, alongside a lone Toyota Supra in the field. For Ave Motorsports in car number 14 from the Dominican Republic is Alfredo Nadri. Hugh Plum in the second of the team TGM Aston Martin Vantages, car number 46 will start eighth, alongside Adam Adelson. Good qualifying run for him in the Nola Sport Porsche 718, that's car number 47. Six on the grid, another good qualifying run also for the Motorsports in Action, McLaren Artura GT4, another one-off make in this field. That's car number 69 starting from the sixth position alongside a debutant in the championship this weekend, Michael DeMio in car number 78. That's a locally based day's competition by MC Squared, Mercedes AMG GT4. The Van der Stur Racing Aston Martin Vantage that was on the pole last time out will start fourth this time. That's kind of a 19. Started this time by Rory van der Stur alongside the championship leader, Kenny Murillo, in kind of a 72 from Murillo Racing, Mercedes-AMG GT4. On the front row of the grid, second fastest in qualifying, Eric Filgueras, kind of a 28, the RS1 Porsche 718 GT4. But on the pole position for the first time in his career in this championship. He's had one win before. This is his first pole position in car number 95 for Turner Motorsport, the BMW M4 GT4. The pole sitter is Cameron Lawrence. Absolutely smashing uh, performance by Cameron Lawrence for Turner Motorsport. It's half the job done. 
for, for Will Turner and the team. And when he went to the pool, uh, he was eight-tenths ahead at one stage, and it was only a really fabulous last couple of laps from Eric Filgueras in the RS1 Porsche that pulled that back to, to something even remotely uh, remotely respectable, Jeremy. Um, I, I was pleased to see Eric did put a lap together. They came out a little bit late and got caught by the, the red flag, and I think I mentioned it in the, the qualifying that they were a wee bit out but Eric's pulled absolutely pulled the uh, pulled the the pin when it needed to to be done so and and two good good charges on on the front row of the grid yeah absolutely right it's going to be really interesting with those two uh, on that front row uh, start because it, it was what was interesting qualifying several of the interesting things in qualifying but one was they didn't go as fast as they had in the second practice mm. session that was a surprise uh, and i think perhaps the reason for that is that the uh, Michelin rubber, of course, that we use here uh, doesn't seem to like the Firestone rubber that had been laid down by the IndyCars shortly beforehand. So with qualifying for the IndyCars having taken place just uh, maybe an hour or so ago, it's going to be interesting to see whether these cars and drivers are going to be slithering around a little bit in the early stages of this race before the Michelin rubber gets laid down onto the racetrack. As far as the championship's concerned, Jeremy, you mentioned it was the fourth round uh, of the championship. Uh, quite a contrast in what we've seen so far. And a, a new challenge here, of course. It does mean we'll see the TCRs on their own at Lime Rock Park uh, later in the year. I think pretty much everybody I've spoken to likes the idea of the GSs getting the limelight shone on them for one particular race. And, and frankly, at the the home of the American motor industry at Detroit, um, probably no better place to have them out there. No, I agree. I mean, we've got you know, a whole slew of manufacturers here in this field. There's eight different manufacturers. And I think we saw seven of them in the top 10 in qualifying. It was really interesting to see that variety amongst the leading contenders in qualifying. But there's certainly several cars starting farther down the field than their outright pace would suggest you know this is it's it's kind of a pro-am series it's it's not not actually a pro-am but it, it is in in many ways in that there are various uh, pro-am uh, combinations out there where the, uh, the the ams are nothing like as quick as the pros so uh, it's going to be very interesting to see perhaps whether this the complexion of this race changes the farther we get into it and of course it's a shorter race uh, than than we're used to it's just 90 minutes uh, 100 minutes, yeah. 100 minutes, uh, one, me, yeah. One hour and, uh, one hour and 40. Yeah, instead of the two Just hours looking, like normal. Yes, yeah. exactly. Look, looking forward to, to Lime Rock, before we concentrate uh, on Countdown at Green and what we might see here uh, this afternoon and evening, uh, that means we get the TCRs at Lime Rock, where the TCRs shine. If, if somebody had built a racetrack just for TCRs. I have a suspicion, Jeremy, it would look rather like Lime Rock Park. And it'd have some rain thrown into the mix as well, probably. And yeah, I think yeah. you're absolutely right. Uh, but uh, I think it's cool. I mean, yeah, there's, there's, we've got 22 cars here this weekend. We generally have at least 15 uh, TCRs. So that, as you say, they'll have their, their chance to shine at Lime Rock and that'll be fun. So, Jeremy, what are we going to see? Uh, a shorter race, as you've said. We have a yep. unique pit lane with some yeah. of the cars uh, going to drivers left as they're coming in and therefore being serviced from the left and fueled from the left. The other half of 
the the other half of the field doing exactly the opposite turning right being serviced from a wall from over the wall on driver's right and therefore fueled on driver's right uh, it's worked all right so far uh, there's not been any kerfuffles how many times are we going to see them down the pit lane I, I, it, it's pretty simply just one pit stop for these guys absolutely yeah that's that's certainly the plan um it's uh, it, the, the minimum drive time is usually 40 minutes it's been changed because of the slightly shortened race to 30 which means therefore that the the second stint will need to be 70 minutes long well uh, if it's green gs cars can't go 70 minutes so the question is do you come in uh, put your faster driver in if, if your two drivers are different paces at the earliest possible opportunity and then hope there's a lot of yellow or do you, you have to get have to make a, a second stop later on so you know there's, there's there's a lot of strategic options during this race um you know whether or not there's going to be cautions when the cautions might appear i don't know we've had you know, a couple of messy races to start the season at daytona and sebring but last time out at uh, weathertech raceway laguna seca it was absolutely fantastic motor race uh, oh. good and clean and if the drivers bring that that sort of form here to the streets of detroit uh, if we can go green that would be great and to make things very very interesting and and even more difficult for the strategist john and who are the form teams coming in here jeremy obviously turner have got a quick car over one lap and cameron lawrence his confidence will be sky high same for his front row starting mate, uh, the RS1 of, of Porsche. Kenny Marillo and then Rory van der Stoen, not backwards and coming forwards. Uh, who, who are going to be, who bring the momentum into this race? Well, I mean, we've had a super open season so far. We've had, uh, we've had three different uh, race winners. In fact, nobody yet has finished on the podium more than once. So we've had nine different teams on the podium so far this season. So it's, it's absolutely wide open. Uh, the the Marillo racing number 72, Kenny Marillo and Christian Shimjak, with that win last time out, they lead the points. Uh, they've had a first, a fourth, and a an 18th. So they they had one poor finish, uh, and most of the teams have had at least one poor finish so far this season. The most consistent contenders have probably been Sean Quinlan and Gregory Leofuge in the number 43 BMW. They'll start way down in 19th position. Uh, that's uh, Believe it, they haven't had uh, three finishes in the top ten. Um, wow. Nobody has had three top ten finishes yet this season. It's, it's, it's remarkable how somebody seems to have had some sort of a problem in each of the races so far. So now it becomes even more critically important to build that consistency, get some good, uh, a good run sequence of, of high finishes to keep yourself in the championship mix. Uh, Jensen Altman put a good lap together. It was his best qualifying the season. He lost that for a technical infringement, as Jeremy uh, was saying. He'll start right at the back. Got to have a word for Michael Tomeo in the Thiers competition by MC Squared. Very much a local team. He'll come off the inside of row three. And Mark Miller will take that car over. And if we know anything about Mark, is that he doesn't need a lot of time in the car. He doesn't need a lot of time at a track. Uh, I think we'll see that car if Michael can keep his nose clean early on. And that's a big if for everybody who starts here. Discretion might just be the better part of valour in the opening laps. The other thing that we have to mention here is the air and track temperature. It was hot, hot, hotity hot yesterday for qualifying. It's plus that today. 56 Celsius, 133 Fahrenheit on the track. 
Um, a far more temperate, 29 Celsius and 84 in the air with 39% humidity. Barely any wind to talk about. It's up a little bit on yesterday, uh, uh, that wind, four to six miles an hour. It was one to two miles an hour, but it's nothing much to talk about. So it, the Michelin tyre technicians are uh, going to have to be on their metal in the early part of this race to get the starting pressures right that means that they get longevity from the tires is there uh, the opportunity to go through on one set we'll find out let's go live in sound and vision from detroit The Michelin Pilot Challenge on IMSA Radio, part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Motor City, a unique pit lane and a brand new circuit for our Michelin Pilot Challenge Chevrolet Detroit Sports Car Classic teams and drivers to take on the cars appropriately enough as we start the build up to the 100th anniversary of the first running of the Le Mans 24 hours are lined up in echelon formation uh, in the middle of the pit lane as they'll be serviced on both sides some going to the left and the other half of the field going to the right hello everybody it's a beautiful day air temperature around about 100 uh, excuse me 84 Fahrenheit lovely to have your company it's been a very very busy start to the season uh, no single team and driver have been on the podium more than once this year and Jeremy Shaw it has been an absolutely cracking start to the season with different manufacturers and different teams coming to the fore at the first three races at Sebring uh, and uh, at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca last time out yeah it's been tremendous we've had a, a Ford uh, a BMW and a Mercedes won the first three races of the season, but uh, the other manufacturer right there as well, the, the manufacturer points table is really, really tight. So it's uh, it's absolutely wide open here. Uh, who can who can make the least mistakes, I think, is probably going to be uh, the winner today, John. All live and free, no blocks, no breaks, no subscriptions required. All you have to do is go to insert.tv or indeed uh, on to imsterradio.com and uh, click for the live video uh, wherever you are in the world. It's good to have your company. I know there'll be a lot of people tuning. I was talking to uh, Philippe Albuquerque, Albuquerque, earlier on. We had dinner with the United crew here uh, at Le Mans and we are ready to go racing. They're all set up down there uh, waiting to watch this race. Really interested to see how this circuit races, uh, not just how it qualifies. So, Jeremy, it's a little bit of a strange starting procedure here. It reminds me rather, and it'll remind some of our viewers and listeners, of the old mid-Ohio, because uh, they don't start where they finish. They say it's not where you start, it's where you finish. In this position, it's not where, where you finish, it's where you start, because they're in different places. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, they're coming past the finish line at the moment and heading towards turn one. Uh, uh, second time around is when the uh, the clock will start for the race. 
call this 100 minute race so next time around uh, but they won't take the green flag uh, at that point the, the clock will start and then they'll go around to, the, to the, this long back straight it's nearly three quarters of a mile long I mean seriously long uh, and very very bumpy and that is where the race will start but it will finish at the finish line Jeremy Shaw and John Hindhoff here uh, in the IMSA broadcast booth and with IMSA TV and IMSA Radio bringing the biggest sports car audience together around the world, all free for all of the races throughout the season. And a reminder, of course, that our Le Mans build-up on our sister station, Haggerty Radio Le Mans, on 91.2 FM around the track and around the world on RS2 gets underway tomorrow uh, with live and exclusive coverage of the two test sessions at the Circuit de la Sarte. This is not the old track at Detroit. It's not Belle Isle. Uh, this is something entirely different and it's new for everyone. Bit of a challenge for the suspension engineers and the... Uh, Michelin tyre engineers as well with that track temperature up at 133 Fahrenheit. That's uh, over 56 Celsius. Right, let's get ready to go racing. I, I would normally say at this point, settle back and get yourself comfortable. But in the last couple of races uh, that we have had, uh, things have been have got very busy very quickly. And with an hour and 40 minutes on the clock, and we are ready to get started. Let's see the cars as they line up. It was a cracking uh, pole position yesterday for Cameron Lawrence, his first in 28 starts for Turner Motorsport and the new BMW M4 GT4. It's a Porsche alongside Eric Figueras, who came good right at the end. Then Murillo for the Mercedes and Aston Martin for Van der Stur Racing. They're side by side in the sunshine in Michigan on the streets of Detroit. As they come to the green flag, we've already started the clock as they went past the start-finish line, or the finish line, should I say. We'll go to green halfway down the main straight. Stand by for action. Motor City is about to get noisy with the Chevrolet Detroit Sports Car Classic. And we are off and underway. Down towards the first corner, it's the first opportunity to make up some positions. Quite a bit of dirt on the circuit, dust being thrown up. Good start by Cameron Lawrence, who turns in with Phil Gueras behind. One, two, three wide for a moment. And the, the Nola Sport, one of the Lona Sport cars, I think, going quite wide there. Then dropping back in to line, everybody being rather sensible. There are some yeah. gradient changes here, although it is very tight indeed. This is not a dead flat race track. It's uh, not smooth either, Jeremy, but nice to see a few elevation changes in the early part of the lap. It really is. It's great to see so much respect there shown by all the drivers on that opening cut first few corners. Excellent to see. Hopefully that'll continue for, for a little while there. But a great start there by Alfredo Nadri in that Ave Motorsports Toyota Calibre 14. He's made up at least uh, two or three positions, maybe even more than that. He's got past the McLaren that started in sixth and uh, Nadri took the green flag in the ninth position. So a really good start by the, uh, the man from the Dominican Republic. Just the one Toyota GR Supra from Gazoo Racing Latin America in its traditional red, white and black colours. And again, I know that the teammates will be watching in the paddock 
at the Circuit de la Sarte. They're getting ready for test day tomorrow with their two GR or 10s. Red hot favourites. Got a bit of extra weight to take into the weekend uh, tomorrow. Now, big sideways moment and the car's bouncing through that tight section between turns Ooh. five, six and seven. And the McLaren Clutch. got exceptionally <laughs> sideways. Alex Filsinger for Mia. Motorsports in action in the Artura. Seventh position, Jeremy. That was a save and a half. That was more than a dab of opposite luck. Man, yeah, he was lucky to get away with that one, wasn't he? But to get away with it, he seems to have done. And, uh, wow, great start there by Cameron Lawrence. So already putting a bit of distance between himself and the second-place car of uh, Eric Filgaris. Uh, the championship leader slotting into third. He'll be thrilled with that. Uh, and then uh, Rory van der Stur coming under increasing pressure here from that phase Mercedes. Michael Demio, uh, a newcomer to this championship in that car number 78 but uh, not, a, not a newcomer to racing. He's been out of sport for a, for a year or so. He last drove a GT3 car for Compass Racing uh, and Acura back in uh, 2020, but uh, he's a former champion in the, uh, in the uh, World Challenge Series, so he knows how to pedal cars. And Mark Miller, very much involved with that effort as uh, he's uh, a man from around these parts as well. See how that develops. Uh, I had Mark on Midweek Motorsport on Wednesday show not so very long ago, and uh, uh, we go back a long way, don't we, with Mark Miller? What a what a servant to the sport he's been down through the years. And I, I think there was just enough hints thrown out that we'll uh, perhaps see some more uh, of that uh, number 78 Mercedes-Benz AMG GT4 uh, as the season progresses, and uh, possibly even more than that next year depending how this tour in the water goes here on this new track. Coming to the end of another lap, and it's Cameron Lawrence who made the break. Very nicely done across the line. It's a 118.558. New circuit, so these are new race lap records every time it's broken, and it's been broken by Alex Filsinger. Fast hands Filsingers will be calling him uh, from now on, 118.222 for the number 60, 69 Motorsports in action. The Mia McLaren, uh, that's the number 69 car. But at the moment, I've, I feel, Jeremy, we're watching almost like the first couple of rounds of a heavyweight boxing match. There's a bit of sparring going on. Uh, everybody's feeling their way around in these exceptionally hot conditions with track temperature up over 131 Fahrenheit, 55 degrees celsius you talked about the respect earlier on but also they've got to get these tires through to whenever they take their pit stop well that's right and uh, certainly tire wear yesterday during the practice sessions uh, was was very very low uh, mainly because the circuit had no grip it was very dusty there's been a lot of grinding done on the concrete sections of this racetrack there's a lot of surface changing between concrete and asphalt and back again uh, but it was very very dusty very very low uh, adhesion and because that tire wear was, was was pretty minimal so it wouldn't surprise me to see many of the teams opting either to change two cut tires or none at all conceivably during this race so that's suddenly the strategies are going to be uh, well, we're going to be keeping an eye on to see how the strategies uh, figure that out it is a time certain race uh, one hour 30 call it 34 minutes at the moment and we've yet to see meaningful moves for position and get the feeling that it isn't 
a million miles away. But this has been a good start by Cameron Lawrence. He's pulled out almost three quarters of a second, a little bit over that. Eric Figueras has taken the fast lap uh, as he went through last time around. They qualified down in the 116s uh, for the top half a dozen or so. And now we're running at uh, 118s for the best lap last time around. Uh, this unusual sight of just the GT4 cars in the IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge for the Chevrolet Detroit Sports Car Classic. Giving these cars the chance to pace themselves without having to worry about any traffic. It will be reciprocated later in the year at Lime Rock Park when we will have a single category race for the TCRs. And that should be a lot of fun around that short bullring of a circuit. Up to nine-tenths of a second now, the lead. And Kenny Marillo now has fastest lap. It seems like everybody in the top seven or eight, Jeremy, are having a go at taking the fastest lap as the uh, gaps open and close in the top ten or so. Yeah, and just sort of settling into, into the pace here. I mean, just really sensible this is. It's, it's, it's respectful, but also sensible. I mean, you can, you can end your race here very, very quickly indeed with one little mistake here. Uh, and it is, it is hot out there, so getting the tyres up to temperature wasn't difficult. Uh, but uh, make, it's very easy to make a mistake. There's Jason Altman, who's tracking there right behind Todd Coleman's Archangel Motorsports. Green Aston Martins, they head down this long, well. long back straight away. And Altman already, he made up, uh, he made up uh, what, four positions, five positions on the opening lap. And now trying to get a, make a move on the 14th position that Todd Coleman currently has. There he is down to the inside at turn three. That's a lovely drive in the... Uh, mostly white and blue with the great Ford racing stripes. Jensen with his best qualifying effort of the season when the checkered flag dropped yesterday in third position. We often say that Jensen races uh, perhaps a little better than he qualifies. I think he'd be the first to admit that. Well, yesterday he put a cracking lap together, but the car was not in technical specification. It was out of conformity. Uh, problem with, I think, the, the rear wing, Jeremy, wasn't it? And that, that dropped them all the way to the back. Yeah, that's right. It was. Uh, it didn't meet specifications that it, that it should have done, uh, and so was uh, was DQ'd. Yeah, so he's got a lot of work to do in this race. But again, your sensible start up into the 14th position now. So already made up eight positions on the start. So really good early charge here from uh, Jensen. And you know, this 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 there's pit stops to come. There's a lot can change during this race. So there's no point in getting too wound up too early. Yeah, that's a very good point. That It is just about long enough, this race. Uh, people will say it's not really an endurance race, but the, the regulations in terms of drive time make it so that it's not an easy run to the finish. It's not just a case of splitting it in half, although I suppose probably could do something similar uh, to that. Uh, and it gives the opportunity for a couple of different strategies. Maybe Jensen has been set out on full attack maybe slapped him around the face with a bit of raw meat before they put him out there and set him on stun he's already up as jeremy says up to 14th he's now uh, got a little bit of a gap before vim barletta uh, is his next target the number 96 in 13th position for turner motorsport vin's teammate cameron lawrence still leading the race by about eight tenths of a second nagery going down the inside as he has a battle with that uh, new to the series Thayer's Motorsport very distinctive with that a dark green and golden goes wide Michael DeMeo goes a little bit wide he's lost about three places uh, there and he's dropping back 
uh, a little bit but the main thing there was Jeremy that was smart driving by Michael yes he's dropped from fifth position down two or three but he didn't hit the wall that was discretion again being the better part of Valor yeah they're, they're right yeah if you, if you make one mistake don't make another uh, and uh, he didn't he, he kept under control there yes as you say lost a couple of positions but still uh, an hour and a half remaining in this race so plenty of time to make make up uh, for that little little slip there but uh, certainly that Toyota is really charging hard here the car they had a problem in the second session of practice yesterday they were pretty quick in the first one but some difficulties in the second one they only did uh, a couple of laps so bounced back well in qualifying to get inside the top 10 and now Alfredo Nadri up into uh, you know up into a challenging position here he's got a bit of ground to make up with that little, to catch that group ahead of him but uh, still in good position is that Rory van der Stur? Uh, down at the far turn. end of the circuit yes it is uh, just a turn nine before the entrance to the pit lane just ran on it's a really really difficult turn eight should I say a, a really really difficult braking area there very bumpy and again uh, yeah lost some places but lives to fight another day in the blue and white Aston Martin would have been easy to try and push your look there Jeremy get round the corner and not make it and have contact with the wall good driving i think there from rory having uh, had a little bit of a problem breaking on the bumps yeah that's right and uh, that was unfortunate for him certainly because he's up there in that uh, in that battle he was, he was dropping back a bit from the top three uh, and under increasing pressure there from uh, that Arve motorsports toyota so uh, yes it's it's cost him a lot he's dropped back down to the 14th position rory van der Sur, so he's got a lot of ground yeah. now to make up again great battle going on between two very different philosophies of cars which can race together here in the mission and pilot challenge which we use what's called balance of performance uh, data driven analysis of the ultimate performance of these cars uh, and that is then balanced out you would not normally think that a, a, a high speed hyper car uh, almost a bespoke car isn't it from mclaren uh, that could race a Toyota Supra the GR Supra albeit a highly tuned version of that car but that's what the that's what the uh, balance of performance does uh, for this particular championship so Najri and Filsinger battling for fourth and uh, fifth position in those two cars they're about six seconds away from the top three and Jensen Altman continues to try to move forward in that number three car he's got ahead of 13 car excuse me uh, he gets ahead of Vin Barletta and he's pulled out a couple of seconds already his next target Tom Collingwood for BGB Motorsports and the number 83 Porsche uh, he's just a little bit further up the road about what another two seconds up the road from Jensen yeah and uh, they've already put a lap on Ted Giovannis at the back of the field so the number 64 car already now one lap down uh, 10 laps completed then by our race leader. Well, last lap time was his best of the race, 117.39 for our race leader. That compares to the uh, pole time of 116.2. So uh, only a second or so slower than that. And certainly interesting with 10 laps in the books that we're setting your know, best laps because generally speaking in this series, uh, the best laps come very early on. But uh, with the different rubber that was laid down previously by the IndyCars, uh, it's a different racetrack to what they raced on yesterday and uh, it's it's just getting faster and faster at the moment 
Jeremy Shaw and John Hindorf in the IMSA Global Broadcast Centre live and free. Uh, no subscriptions, no sign-up uh, and no interruptions as well. Uh, good to have your company wherever the, uh, around the world you are. What a busy motorsport uh, weekend here on the streets of Detroit. Uh, as well as sports car action tomorrow at Le Mans, which we'll uh, have for you in our, on our sister channel over on RS1 at RadioLeMans.com. And plenty of eyes from this part of the world watching what's going on on the streets of Detroit. Uh, I had a note from uh, Marino Franchitti as well, who's been watching the coverage over the weekend, saying this is a circuit that his brother would have loved. Proper, proper old-school street circuit. It's not billiard table smooth. Neither is it quite point and squirt either, uh, to be honest, Jeremy. There's a flaw to certain parts of this track which the drivers do seem to enjoy the challenge of getting that together and getting that rhythm of those parts of the circuit. You're right, and uh, you know, they're, uh, they're on the Jefferson Avenue right now. This is the fastest part of the, of the race course they're reaching. Oh, there's a problem, it seems, for Alfredo Nadri also. That's uh, Ted Gibbon, I think, keeping out of uh, I thought he was keeping out of the way, just split the wall too. But a problem for the Toyota Caliber 14 that was running up there in that fourth position. Fourth. It's slow on the back straight. Keeping over to driver's right. I'm trying to see maybe a bit of damage on the left-hand front of that car. Yeah, coming out of turn one there, just ran wide on the exit and clipped that wall, but he clipped it, well, he hit the wall hard with the uh, the uh, the left front of that car and he's brought it back into the pit lane, but that's gonna be, uh, I think, the end of the day for the number 14 car. Well, maybe not. He hasn't given up yet, that's for sure. That's certainly a shame for him. He'd, uh, he'd got himself up into uh, a challenging position. He was uh, one of the fastest cars on the course, but now it's all gone wrong for the number 14. So Cameron Lawrence leads then by yeah, just over a second now from Eric Figueres in second position. Those two pulled away a little bit now from Kenny Miro, who has set the fastest lap of the race in car number 72, the third place car, 117.3. Last time around for our race leader was a 117.4, so, uh, so uh, only fractionally behind in terms of lap time. And still these three leaders are pulling away now for me. It's Alex Filsinger in the MIA McLaren up into the fourth position with that problem for Alfredo Nadri. So coming into turn one again, there's a, 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 a pit stop for number 64, Ted Giovannis. We saw him uh, clip the wall at the extra turn three. I think uh, there's a signal from the uh, left front tyre change. I think it's all done for that car. And also number 14 car in the pits with looks like suspension damage there as well. So. Uh, one car that was running up towards the front. Uh, it was, again, just coming into turn one, just carried a little bit too much speed. Not quite sure whether he clipped the wall on the inside uh, that put him into the outside wall. But, yeah, I think he might have done, judging by his trajectory off that corner. I think Nadja might have just clipped that inside wall that pushed him across the road directly into the outside wall. Boy, how many times have we seen that 
on a on a street circuit. So uh, real disappointment for that that team. They've had uh, a whole bunch of strong runs uh, during the last couple of years, but uh, they've had nothing but bad luck this season. They've been fast just about every race. He shares that car, Alfredo Nadri, with uh, Thiago Camilo, who's a, a very experienced and successful Brazilian stock car racer. But it's all gone wrong for them here in Detroit this afternoon. Cameron Lawrence leads. Uh, Jeremy Shaw laps. and John Heintorf. Sorry, Jeremy. Uh, in the Global Broadcast Centre, as this race continues to uh, to develop uh, on the streets of Detroit, with Alfredo Najri and Ted Giovannis having to pit after those uh, issues, uh, Alfredo will be kicking himself there. It was the merest brush of the wall, and he'd done a decent lap as well with a 17.8 just before. That happened. Fastest lap of the race still to Kenny Marillo with a 17-3. And it's still Cameron Lawrence who has led since the drop of the green flag. Three quarters of a second to the good here uh, with still an hour and 20 minutes to go, Jeremy. Yeah, so as you say, a long, long way to go and uh, only 20 minutes into this race. So the uh, minimum drive time uh, is uh, really half well, we're over halfway to that, aren't we? Because it's th only 30 minutes in this race. It's generally 40, but only 30 now. But the second of the Team GGM cars running well now with Q Plum at the wheel of car number 46 in the fifth position. Uh, and he's not far behind Alex Filsing as McLaren and just ahead of Michael DeMio in the Shays competition by MC Squared Mercedes. So we are not even anywhere near half distance at the moment. On board with the rebel. When rock. will the tactics start to play out? Because Frank Dupuy around turn one, he's uh, he's going to be the next car in the sights of the leaders. He's, he's not that far ahead of them. He's heading around turn two and onto the main straightaway. The two leaders, with Eric Bargueras having closed up onto the tail of Cameron Lawrence looming now in his mirrors, and Kenny Barillo holding a what you breathe there in that third position at the moment. Consistent laps turned by our race leader. One minute 17.4 again last time around for Cameron Lawrence in that tournament sport BRW car number 95. And right behind him, Eric Vilgaris had just had his best lap of the race. One 17.357 right behind him now. That's the Community Beer Works RS1 Porsche. A bit farther back down the order, Jensen Altsman continuing his charge up through the field. He's now closed up 
onto the tail of Bryce Ward. He's going to make a pass on the main straightaway, heading down towards turn three. Bryce Ward on the inside, Altsman on the outside. Is the Ford going to go around the outside of him at turn three? Wow, that's a brave move. I don't think he is quite. Bryce is going to try and catch shut that door at turn four, which he does so. Now it's plunging down the hill, down toward the river, and Altsman has to tuck in behind him. Yes, thank you, Jensen. Smart move. Uh, don't get uh, uh, don't get goaded into trying to make a lunge down there because it's really a, a low percentage. Try and move to make a pass. On to now uh, through the chicane, coming up towards turn eight. This is an overtaking potentially opportunity. And again, Altsman decides discretion, the better part of Valleys. The battle then for ninth and tenth places. So again, super consistent laps by a race leader. Really impressed by uh, Cameron Lawrence. They're all within a tenth of a second. One minute, 17.440 last time around. His best is a 117.393. And all of his laps really touched. The last half dozen have all been in a 1 minute 17.4. So really, really tight job there. Uh, a little bit further back uh, on board again with the Jensen Altsman. He got good straightaway, uh, good straightaway speed in that Ford Mustang. The Mustangs have had uh, a little bit of a break in terms of balance performance for this weekend. A slightly larger restrictor than previously, uh, as had the, uh, the Chevrolet, interestingly. Uh, and certainly that was uh, able to, he was able to use that to his benefit, get past Bryce Ward before turn three. And now Altsman up into uh, ninth position. Next car ahead of him though, is uh, about nine seconds ahead. That being uh, Sean McAllister in a car barn with Peregrine Racing Porsche. 18 laps completed by our leaders. 118.4 that time for Cameron Lawrence. Did he have some lap traffic? And he might have had uh, some lap traffic to negotiate. I think he got past uh, uh, Frank Dupuis on that lap. Uh, and uh, the third place car has just reset the fastest lap of the race. That's Kenyon Barillo. 117.22 for car number 72. But Altsman, he is the, he is the man on the charge. Car number 13, 20 year-old from Phoenix, Arizona. Been racing in the Mazda MX-5 Cup. Pretty successful the last few few seasons. He's stepping up this year into the GS ranks. Yeah, leaders have passed Frank Dupuis then. So the Chevrolet in 20th position is now at one lap down to the leaders. And Kenny Murillo just held up a little bit as he comes past that final corner. Get a good run onto the pit straight away, move up into third, will maintain that third position. It's cost him a little bit of ground to uh, to the race leaders, but not that much, and plenty of time to make that up again. 25 minutes now elapsed in this race, so only five minutes away from the minimum drive time um, expiring, and we'll see some of the drivers, I think, in at the earliest opportunity, uh, most likely including Frank Depew. That car's already lapped down, so get Robin Liddell behind the wheel of that Chevy Camaro at the earliest opportunity perhaps somehow claw his way back onto the lead lap. So Jeremy Shaw with me, John Hindhoff, in the booth. Um, and I still think this there's plenty to talk about here, Jeremy, if I'm honest. Uh, this has been, for the most part, uh, a pretty sensible drive by all these teams and drivers. 
and what I'm seeing here are, are competitors who want to get to a position where they can start to attack. Got a decent little battle going on, going through five, six, uh, and seven at the moment. The Thayer's Aston Martin, Thayer's competition sitting in behind Hugh Plum. That's Michael DeMille in sixth. Hugh Plum for Team TGM in the Aston Martin in fifth, 46 and 78. And those two are the closest battle on the circuit at the moment with uh, just under half a second between them. Still that consistent three quarters of a second at the front of the field, Jeremy, between Cameron Lawrence for Turner Motorsport and the new BMW M4 GT4 and the RS1 Porsche in the hands of Eric Felgueras in second. Indeed so, but Cameron Lawrence just said he's just reset the fastest lap of the race last time around at 1 minute 16.926 for the, the pole sitter and race leader. So he's extended that margin back out again to over a second for the first time in, in several laps. And uh, with the yeah, potentially getting close to uh, to pit stops for some of these contenders, that's certainly good news for him. He's got, uh, uh, he's, he's got quite a few laps now before the catch up to the next group of, of, of cars. Two, two cars have been, have been lapped. Uh, one of them is out of the race, that's Ted Chivanis. The other, Frank Depew, in a Rebel Rock Camaro who's running in the 20th position. But uh, the race leaders now, they've got uh, quite a margin before they're going to catch up with that ne next little gaggle of cars and three of them running together. Bob McCallion in the Core Motorsports Ford Mustang car number 59. Then Jeff Mosing, who is a teammate to the third place car of Kenny Murillo. Jeff Mosing running all the way down there, un unusually in 17th place. And Anton mm. Diaz Pereira, who's right with them as well in that car number 27 and then only a little bit behind them having been passed a couple of laps ago by Diaz Pereira is Sean Quinlan in the Stephen Cameron Racing BMW. It, it is interesting to see Jeff uh, so far down. Um, he had that incident when he was in qualifying. I think he was up in the top four or five uh, when he spun the car going on to Franklin out of, uh, out of turn two and then had the presence of mind, although a red flag did come out, uh, he reversed all the way down into the runoff of turn two and then selected first gear and drove away, so the short... The three quarters of a mile. Flag. Yes, I know. Dead straight, arrow straight, by the way. Yeah, Absolutely job, outstanding. Yeah, pretty impressive, that was, I must say. It's not easy, you know, rear wheel steer, as it was going backwards. Yes, exactly. Not Driving easy, a, the world's control, most powerful forklift truck. Yes, absolutely. As he was going down Franklin. But he made, he made a pretty good fist of it. And it meant that we barely lost. I think we only lost about 90 seconds. Uh, as soon as he was pointing the right direction and back on the way to the pits, race control got us back uh, into a green flag racing. So coming down to an hour and 10 minutes, this front of the field battle continues to just hold that two and a half second gap so three quarters of a second between first and second two and a half seconds between second and third and that's kenny murillo uh, in that number 72 uh, bright orange chrome orange mercedes then there's a wee bit of a gap back to alex filsinger who uh, pushed his way through and it followed through it was alfredo nagery wasn't it who uh, had made that break up into the top four originally before he clipped the wall but he's now eight seconds uh, further back from Kenny Marillo. Alex has got, what, a second and a half on Hugh Plum. And then Michael's right in behind him in that Thayer's competition pipe, MC squared. 
Mercedes. That's your top six. BMW, Porsche, Mercedes, McLaren, Aston and Mercedes. So five cars in the top six. And all of a sudden, Jeremy Shaw, Eric Filgueras has found a little bit of pace. Or is it Cameron Lawrence just slowing down a bit? Half a second quicker last time around for the car in second. Yeah, look, I, I mean, Fulgaris, he, he's just staying in touch with the with the tournament what BMW at this stage. Uh, he's certainly got a car that's fast enough. But again, Lawrence's last lap time was 117.5. Uh, the previous lap was 117.3, which is his norm. Uh, it, incredible consistency there. Just, uh, what, three laps ago, he turned the fastest lap of the race. Did Cameron Lawrence in 16.9. He's still... The, uh, he's actually not. Uh, Alex Filsinger also is in the 16s as well. 16.980 to the 16.926 of Cameron Lawrence. But I think Phil Jarrett at this stage, just biding his time, he knows it's yeah, it's going to be awfully difficult to, to make a pass. So he just wants to keep in touch. Uh, he, he loses a little bit once in a while, but he seems to be able to gain it back again, John, pretty much at will. Yeah, and that's really interesting. I'd love to be... Uh, a fly on the wall of what the teams are talking about on their perches on the pit lane, on the various sides of the pit lane, uh, and what they're discussing at the moment as we uh, come towards uh, the important middle laps. Ah, I was just about to say, who's going to jump? Well, at the back of the field, Sean Quinlan has nothing to lose for... Stephen Cameron racing and the blue and orange number 43 BMW is in for full service. The car is off its jacks. The fuel is still going in. A little bit of a difficulty with the driver. Here comes, uh, here comes Frank Depew in the Urban Grid Rebel Rock Racing Camaro. Door opens and Robin Liddell will be getting into that. It's the farewell tour for this Camaro. Uh, we've Got a Camaro here at Le Mans, of course, the ZL1. We've got two of them, actually. Uh, identical. They went through scrutineering yesterday. And uh, that will be Jimmy Johnson, Mike Rockefeller, and Jensen Button taking on the 24 Hours of Le Mans. It's a beast. I love it. So these are the teams at the back, Jeremy, who have said, right, uh, driver time is up. We've got nothing to lose. Let's see what we can do, and we'll see if we can get a little bit of yellow and get to the end from here. 67 minutes, though, even on this short circuit. I'm not sure that that's doable without an awful lot of yellow or a splash before the end of the race. It's not. Um, but uh, nothing nothing to lose there for the uh, for the Stephen Cameron car. That was still was on the lead lap. So if Gregory can get out there, uh, they have a, a good stop for Stephen Cameron racing, which they generally do, so don't, uh, don't doubt that. Uh, and then... Uh, Gregory's concerns for good laps. By the time the other guys make their stops, he can at least be still on the lead lap. Uh, and that's where you need to be in case there are any full course cautions. But against the odds, and these guys have done a really, really nice job at this stage. It's been nice and clean and green so far. Uh, behind the two race leaders, it's at number 57, which is now Daniel Morad at the wheel of that car. That's one of the fastest cars in the field uh, because uh, Daniel was, was right up at the sharp end in each of the practice sessions. Uh, and uh, we know he's fast, so uh, that car is uh, is going to be troubling the, the, the oh, current yeah. race leaders. Even though at the moment he's more than a lap down. Then Barletta comes in from 12th position in the number 96 Turner BMW. Daniel Morad in 18th position, took over from uh, Bryce Ward. 
and he is coming up behind the two leaders that is not the third place car so he's looking to get back onto the lead lap even possibly with the pace he's got in that car at the moment last time he uh, went through it was his outlap a 123.3 but that car's got pace as Jeremy said and he'll be wondering if he can get past before they pit he doesn't have to wonder anymore Eric Filgueras has come in in the RS1 Porsche from second position now this is really interesting still an hour and five minutes to go 65 minutes to go for that green and black number 28 and well that is rolling the dice Jeremy at this stage from a very strong second position it is. I mean, that's gambling on the yellow. I don't think there's any way they can do uh, 65 minutes uh, unless uh, somebody has got their sums wrong. And by that, I mean the IMSA technical team, which is very unlikely uh, <laughs> that anybody could go that long. I mean, it's it's not a, a track that is particularly high fuel consumption, I don't think. But uh, I don't think they could do 65 minutes. So I think they are gambling on a bit of yellow here. Uh, and I'm surprised that running up front, they would take that uh, gamble. The Turner Motorsport, we just saw the, the, the sister car of the race leader the number 96 car onto pit lane. That's Finn Barletta, who will hand that car over to, uh, who has handed that car over to Robbie Foley, uh, with whom, by the way, Cameron Lawrence, who's leading now in the number 95 car, won uh, Cameron's only only race win in this championship was at uh, Sebring in 2020 with Robbie Foley wow. driving together. Uh, this this uh, for this season, of course, he's driving uh, 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 Cameron Lawrence with, with Robert McGuinness, a, a yes. young open wheel driver from New York. Uh, it's made everybody jump. I, I'm not sure this is the tactics that uh, Will Turner and the Turner Motorsport team wanted to do, but of course, having had that second place car jump into the pit lane, the worry is now if you get caught on the wrong side of a safety car, the top half dozen, in fact, the top seven, have still not stopped. So the leader of the cars that have been through the pit lane uh, is the Stephen McAleer driven number 28 RS1. That's the car that he's just taken over uh, from Eric Felgueras. So that has worked for them. They are affecting the front of the race without being there. And we said that Daniel Morad in the blue and black windward racing car was quick. He's just put the quickest lap of the race in and he's challenging the leader who peels off Cameron Lawrence has been told by the team it's time to come and get out of that car, Jeremy. Yeah, indeed. And uh, he's uh, Don Salama here, who's a strategist at Turner Better Sports. You never get second-guess Don Salama. Uh, same with Joe Vardy. Uh, he's mm. the other guy you don't second-guess at T Team TGM. In terms of strategies, those are two acknowledged as the two aces on this Michelin Pilot Challenge field. But uh, they are. Did, did they change any tyres on that BMW? I didn't think they just I didn't see it either. I think they just uh, checked the tyre pressures and they're going to send uh, Robert McGuinness on his way. Great stop there by Turner Motorsport. Wow. Now, well, there, that's very interesting. Looking down the front straight to see who's coming through. The Turner Motorsport car pops out with a minute. Uh, sorry, an hour and two and a half minutes to go. Wow, that's going to be tight. That is going to be tight. But they've got out in front of the car they were racing. Not by much, but they've kept hold, I think, Jim, Jeremy, of that track position. Uh, the 95 still ahead of that Porsche, as they were before what will be the only scheduled pit stop. So Turner left it as late as they could. Whoa. Oh, that's a huge incident down at 
turn three and the leader has gone right over the top of the van der Stur car and somehow it pulls away but drove right over it there's smoke there's damage there's uh, tire damage oh my goodness full course yellow what went wrong there for Robert McGuinness? He knew how important it was down at turn three. The hairpin at the end of Franklin and all the hard work by the team is undone in that one moment. They'll have to pit and they've lost the virtual lead. Pits are closed. Oh my goodness me. And this is bad news for those who have not stopped, although Jensen Altman has cycled through, of course, into third position from the back of the field. I've never seen anything like that. The BMW Jeremy riding right up over the left rear of the Vanister Aston Martin. Yeah, I mean, look, he just come out of the pits. The, the tyres, uh, and the, particularly the brakes, uh, well, the tyres should be up to, up to temperature because I don't think he changed tyres. But uh, he just left his braking way too late there, Robert McGuinness, and just ploughs into the side of the Van der Stur Aston Martin. That's, you've got a feel for Rory Van der Stur. He had a, a, an off earlier on, but uh, he was minding his own business there. And uh, that was really unfortunate for him. Just way I've too much speed. Not even a, yeah, no, no lockups there. They no. have ABS on these cars. Um, but yeah, that was uh, That's uh, not good. That's an extraordinary accident. Uh, right front wheel to left rear wheel from the BMW to the Aston. There's a lot of camber on these cars. So it's flicked the car up and basically the BMW has gone right across the roof of Rory van der Stur, and it ends up on the top of the tyre barriers, three quarters of it at least, and still McGuinness managed to drive that car away. And it doesn't matter how many times I look back at it, that's still an extraordinary accident. What it does show, Jeremy, is just how strong the safety uh, precautions are on these cars because that, I mean, it's gone right across the roof of the Aston and the safety cell and the roll cage, the scaffolding-like bars in the back of that car have absolutely stood up to that attack by the full weight of a rapidly moving race car. Amazing. Well, yeah, I, I, can you believe it? He, I mean, he carries on as if nothing's happened. <laughs> I got a feel for Cameron Lawrence there. He did a super job in that early stint. Uh, really nice job, super consistent pace. Uh, and it's all gone wrong on the first lap out of the pits. And that was, yeah, uh, that's just really unfortunate for Cameron. He, 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 uh, he'll, be, he'll be bitterly disappointed by that one. Yes, and I mean, there's no two ways about it that you'd have to say, unless there's been a failure on that car, that that was a driver error. He, I mean, they timed it, the tactics were perfect. They wanted to get as close to that hour as they could. They could not have left that car out, I think, even one more lap because Stephen McAleer was charging so hard Jeremy in the RS1 Porsche that he took over from Eric Filgueras, the number 28 car. Uh, they got it about right. They had track position, but that pass needed to be made. At least that's clearly uh, what it's clearly what Robert McGuinness thought. And that was just a mistiming uh, down the inside into turn three. The car, the Aston has come back for Van der Stair Racing. And Rory helped away, hadn't made his 
at pit stop at that point was running longer into the race he's out of the car the Aston looks a little bit pre-loved uh, but it's done its job and the door opened even though the driver's door opened even though it had a BMW right over the top of it so a testament there to the uh, safety measures that are employed by the GT4 cars the GS cars here in the Michelin Pilot Challenge which is under yellow for the Chevrolet Detroit Sports Car Classic uh, here in downtown Detroit in this uh, new on this new track it's Jeremy Shaw and John Hindhoff uh, Stephen McAleer who that car had made its pit stop with I think we said it was just over 65 minutes to go it needed some yellow it's going to get some now whilst the tyre barriers are uh, are fixed back up again uh, Kenny Murillo, Adam Adelson and Jensen Altman, the first three for respectively Murillo, Norla Sport and McCombie McAleer Racing had not made their pit stop neither had Tom Collingwood for BGB Motorsport and uh, Bob McCallion for Core Motorsport, uh, the pits are closed at the moment and when they are I suspect we'll see those cars coming in to the pit lane it's going to drop them though all the way to the back almost the gamble paid off not quite for those drivers that were going long no this is really bad news uh, for them for sure um, yeah, all the guys who, who've made the stop and, and stayed on that on that lead lap are in uh, are in really good shape right now and as you say of those uh, first place is Stephen McAleer second would be uh, Mark Miller in that phase competition that's brilliant 78, the locally based car from uh, based in Birmingham, Michigan, only about 25 minutes here from downtown Detroit. Uh, and then next up would be Jesse Lazare and the Motorsports in Action, McLaren. Yeah, they've really, they really timed their pit stops. Look, sometimes, I, I remember saying once uh, to none other than Reinhold Joost, um, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Um, and he said, it's better if you can be both. Uh, and they were for many days. Into the pit lane, Kenny Marillo, Adam Adelson, Jensen Altman, Thomas Collingwood and Bob McCallion. So all those cars who had not pitted now get the chance to pit. Now what they will do, and remember some of the cars ahead of them didn't do full four tyre pit stops. Some of them didn't do any tyres at all. That's a new set of Michelin tyres. Five studs on most of the cars bar the McLaren and out that Marillo racing car has gone now how far is that yeah dropped way back down the field rejoins at turn one out goes the number 13 Ford now Joey Hand is behind the wheel of that car so that car is not going to be slow and let's see how it plays out as the cleanup continues uh, down at turn three I think it's mainly debris, Jeremy, and, and perhaps just yeah. a, a little remedial work because both of the cars remarkably pulled away. And I've actually just seen the Vandister Aston Martin drive out of its pit stall and go behind the wall. But it did drive. It, uh, it had bits hanging off it and various bits of the bodywork at weird angles. No back window where that had been broken. But it drove. It, it was under its own steam all the way back behind the wall. Remarkable. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, you, these cars are pretty stout, aren't they? But uh, yeah, what a shame for those two. And yeah, this certainly, yeah, this this caution period, uh, you know, helps uh, quite a few people, including those that have gambled on making their stop uh, 
very early. Uh, they should now just about be able to get to the end. It's going to be a long enough caution period, I think, where, whereby they should be able to get to the end here without needing an additional stop. Here's a replay again of that incident. I mean, he was uh, four or five car lengths back coming into the breaking zone. Interesting, there's just no lockup, is there? No. So uh, on that uh, on that BMW, equally okay. the cars in the air, the, the wheels are all turning. He's not on the brakes there. So it could be that there was some sort of a ABS malfunction there mm. on that BMW. Yeah, it's a funny one, Jeremy. It for is. Sure. It is. I, I'm not going to pin all the, all the. I mean, initially it looked like clearly a a, a bad mistake from McGinnis, but um, I'm going to be giving the benefit of the doubt here because uh, that's a very strange McGinnis. He came from so far behind there, and um, and I think he realised that uh, that car wasn't going to stop at all. I think what you've got to say, Jeremy, is that uh, if, you know, as, as we said at the time, if it, if it hasn't been a failure, then it was a bit of a, uh, a, bit of a, a mistake from, from Robert. But he, he's, he's not that driver. Let's be honest. He'd gone out on, wall, warm, t uh, on warm tires. Uh, and, you know, you, you've got to look at that. It, he was a long, long way back. It, it honestly didn't look like a genuine overtaking attempt, and the, the more I think about it now, I'm 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 looking at that thinking, I, I expect to hear something uh, from the guys uh, when uh, when we get to the end, towards the end of this race. Still under uh, yellow. Have we gone back to green here? No, we're just uh, getting hustled around. Uh, yeah, the cars have sort of made that very stops. quickly. Yeah, they're hustling around to get on the back, aren't they? Yeah. Yep, so there's the four of the top five uh, needed to come into the pits. Uh, it was uh, number 72 car, which was uh, Kenny Murillo, and then number 47 car, which was started by uh, Adam Adelson. He's handed that car to Elliot Skier. Uh, and Jensen Altsman's handed over the number 13 car to Joey Hand. Uh, so going to be interesting to see what Joey can do. Unfortunately, he's going to be right at the back of the pack. Uh, the other car that came in during mm. this caution period was number 83 car, Tom Collingwood handing up that car, number 83, to um, Spencer Pompelli, and then car 59, which is um, Bob McCallion with the youngster Luca Mars taking over the wheel yeah. at number 59 forward. Quick shout out, we mentioned earlier on about Michael Tamir, who, who had done a cracking job in qualifying and how that discretion being the better part of Valor and keeping that fierce competition by MC Squared Mercedes off the wall, dropped them three or four places from fifth, I think, down to eighth. But he kept it on the lead lap and the upshot of all of that with some good pit work and good some strategy that they felt was working for them is that Mark Miller's now in second position on that team's debut in the IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge. Now, did things fall for them? Yes, possibly they did, but they put themselves in that position and might have kept that car off the wall early on when it would have been easy for someone who's been out of racing at this level for a little while, Jeremy, to panic, and that could have been day over for them within the first, what, eight or nine laps? Yeah, but you know, don't forget, Michael Mia, he might Michael Demia might be new to this series, but he's not new to racing. Had a lot no, of success no. in the past, a former champion in the, the TC class in the old World Challenge days back in 2016, I think that was. 
um, and he's driven GT3 cars as well very successfully with Compass Racing, the Acura NSX car. So he's got lots of experience, just not much for the for the last 18 months or so when he's been concentrating on his uh, home building business up in the Toronto area of Canada. But a uh, very successful driver, uh, very accomplished and uh, showed it in that first stint. Good, yeah. as you say, head, heads, heads up drive for Michael Demir. And but now Mark Miller, who's, who's the only Michigander in the race from Holland, <laughs> Michigan. So home race pretty much for, for Mark. Super excited to be here and uh, in that great position as well, running in the second position. Uh, the uh, saying about battles and wars come to mind about what was yeah. going on early in the race for, for Michael and uh, for one or two others as well who kept themselves uh, in... Uh, kept themselves in the fight, including motorsport and action for the McLaren Artura yeah, GT4. Right there. right there. Daniel Morad with a couple of really quick laps before the red flag, excuse me, the yellow flag came out, including the fastest lap of the race with the 116.6 in the windward racing. Well, Bryce uh, Ward did his job as well in that number 57 early on. Don't forget, Jeremy, we've got to award a Michelin moment of the race just for this one class here. They'll get a set of Michelin slick tyres to uh, take to the next round. Compliments uh, of uh, Michelin Racing North America. Uh, could be a tough one here, going through one or two thoughts uh, in my mind about what might be going on. Uh, it seems as though we've still got some track vehicles out on the run down uh, from four towards five, six and seven. Actually, no, it's between three and four, isn't it, on driver's right. So that would have been perhaps some uh, debris down there. Maybe there was a clout on the wall uh, from that incident uh, at turn three. But still the AMR safety vehicles uh, and the IMSA safety trucks down in that area. So we're burning a bit of time now, well under 50 minutes, 47 minutes and 40 seconds. Uh, to run here what this has done Jeremy is is meant that all those early stoppers uh, have I would say now probably no worries about their fuel to get to the end even the people that stopped at 67 minutes to go I think you're right yes uh, I, I agree with you there the, the bad news for the particularly for the Rebel Rock team is that Robin Liddell is still one lap down and unfortunately for Gregory Leofouge uh, in number 43 car, and Scott Andrews in a Lone Star Racing car number 27. You remember, before that incident, he was right behind the uh, effective leaders at that stage, but behind them he was, so therefore is a lap down to everybody else. And even though Scott Andrews now is in second position on the road, uh, that's not his, uh, his proper position. Uh, he and Stephen Cameron right behind him in that orange and blue BMW, those cars running second and third on the road behind our race leader, Stephen McAleer. They are a lap down, so they will want to try and get past Stephen McAleer if they can, get back onto the lead lap in case there's another full course caution. Uh, at IMSA Radio, I will have a quick pinball action. I've hardly had a chance to have a look at the Twitter here uh, in uh, the IMSA broadcast booth. Uh, it's uh, a busy evening, and thank you for all the uh, the kind comments. And uh, pretty much a thumbs up from the Twitterati uh, this evening for the uh, for the new circuit. The odd change is always a little bit difficult sometimes, and uh, this is a very different sort of circuit uh, from what we 
have been used to here. Uh, the delay in going back to green, by the way, there was an awful lot of fluids laid down uh, by the two cars that came together. We saw some oil smoke coming out of the back of the Turner BMW and uh, also some bits and pieces of debris. So the IMSA safety crew making sure uh, that, as always, it's going to be safe to go back to racing before the green flag is thrown. Uh, extra special care being taken on a street circuit, of course. Looks like the Corvette safety car is just maybe picking up speed a little bit, so we might not be too far away. Looking down towards turn three, uh, the safety vehicles, well, one of the safety vehicles is gone, but I think there's still one there, as the yellow flags are still flying. We've still got halfway to go in terms of time in this race, Jeremy. So still plenty of time for those who have the pace and the performance to, to give this a real go. Yeah, and, uh, yeah it was a great stop by, uh, by Marilla Racing because Christian Shimjak, uh, who was leading, of course, when the caution came out, he had not stopped before, but he did make a pit stop while the caution was out uh, and has, has only lost five positions quite remarkably. So a brilliant stop there for, for Marilla Racing. They helped a little bit here because the, the, the pit lane is actually a little bit shorter than the racetrack. Uh, and uh, the, uh, that, that helped a lot. Uh, and I think all of the pack hadn't actually caught up with the race leaders at that stage True that. when the pits were open. So uh, because, because a bunch of them had been trapped a lap down by the time of the caution period. So that certainly was a, a lot more fortunate for that number 72 car that would otherwise have been. And the car that was right behind him on that pit sequence was number 47. He is right behind Shimjek as well as Elliot Skier then at the wheel of the number 47 car. So those two, 72 and the 47 running in sixth and seventh positions in the race, not on the track perhaps, but in the race. Well, that car came into the pit lane uh, and let me see, at 54 minutes uh, past the hour and two seconds, and Christian Shimchak was credited as going out at 54.54. So that was a 52-second stop, including the driver change. That's pretty toasty in, in this weather. They've, they've put themselves in a real, with a real opportunity. As you said, Jeremy, took the opportunity that was handed to them. Might not have been the exact tactics they were looking for, but with a few gaps in the field, they've got out in a position to give Christian a run to the flag here. And of course, there's a few lap cars. They'll, they'll not be a, a wave by because we don't have another class here. This is, this is how right. they'll restart, I presume, here. Absolutely right. Yes, uh, everybody's in the uh, in the correct positions. Uh, so uh, you've know, got several cars a lap down, but they are right. The two of them, in particular, two very fast cars, right behind the race leader Stephen McAleer. So he's going to have have to have one eye on those two. He won't want to get them. He won't want them back on the lead lap. But at the same time, he knows that in order for him to be challenged by them, they've got to not only uh, get past there and hope for caution, but then pass all the other what we've got to 14 cars on the lead lap so that's a tall order so if Stephen McAleer feels like he's under threat from uh, Daniel uh, excuse me by uh, uh, Scott Andrews in car number 27 uh, and Scott Andrews was quickest in certainly at least one of the practice sessions where's my 
chance. He was certainly quickest in, yeah, he was fastest overall in practice with Scott Andrews. The 159, by the way, which was faster than the pole time. Uh, and Daniel Morad uh, was quickest in the other practice session, kind of 57. So Mercedes is, 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 is a fast around here. We've seen that already. Uh, so if Steve McAleer feels like uh, he's not quite as quick or is any danger from that car directly behind him, he should let him go. Yeah, and they've got to be on the phone to tell him that as well. Um, Scott Andrews is a, a, a very good driver uh, in behind the wheel of that Lone Star racing car. I don't think he'll take too many risks, but uh, obviously, yes, quite obviously, <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying he's a racing driver. Um, he's not a dirty driver, though, Jer uh, Jeremy, and, and he wants to, you know, if he's going to make the... Um, if he's going to make the pass, uh, it's because he wants to take advantage if there's another safety car. Uh, and there's no point in being the cause of that safety car because then you won't get the advantage of it. Okay. But I think you're right. I, I think they've got to be, Stephen's got to be told what's going on behind him and that it's, it's Mark Miller who is the next car that he's actually racing. Uh, Daniel Morad, I expect to see go forward. Um, he's had the chance to cool down his Michelin tyres just a, a wee bit and maybe give them a, a second wind. Uh, still waiting to see if that safety crew working on the fluid have been able to be called away. Down to 40 minutes now. We started with 100 minutes on the clock. So another five minutes has slipped away as we head down with shame. the... Uh, Renaissance Centre right ahead of the drivers as they turn through the far end of the, the circuit. Now down to the waterfront on drivers, right? It's a shame. We're losing a, a little bit of race time here, Jeremy. Yeah, it is a shame. It really is because um, it would have been really interesting to see it, what had happened there if we'd gone green for another, you know, an extra 10 minutes or so, which was certainly on the cards here. But I think perhaps the track seems to be clear now. Hopefully going to go back to green this time around. And that'll leave us... Yeah, about, about 38, 39 minutes remaining in this race. Yes, the safety car has pulled off, John. So, now the drivers have got to have their heads back in the game as we go green. It's a pretty decent start from Stephen McAlee in the RS1, the green and black Porsche. And as you suggested, uh, it was a very good restart indeed from Scott Andrews in the Lone Star Racing Mercedes, who is a lap behind. Then it's the Stephen Cameron Racing car, the orange and blue car that's another uh, car that is off the lead lap going Leofuge in that uh, number 43 and there it is there's the pass not for the lead but to get back on the lead lap but quite frankly Jeremy the team of RS1 have given Stephen all the information he needed he's still got a decent gap back to the next car and the next car is still not a car that he's racing. I think that's really smart from the team and from Steven. Absolutely right. He, he, he kept it right there. Generally speaking, the, the car's been keeping to the left on Jefferson Avenue there. It's, it's pretty bumpy to run that race. But there's a good move there by Elliot Skier, fighting his way uh, past Christian Shimjak, the championship leader then. So good move by Elliot Skier. Well, he got sideways there, coming out of turn, uh, out of the chicane. He's kept it on, and kept it on the uh, straight and narrow, just. Oops. And another move down the inside. Morad goes down yeah. the inside of the motorsport uh, in action. Uh, Jesse Lazar driven car. So that's a couple of uh, positions, I think, that's been lost by 
uh, the uh, by the motorsport in action machine but quite clearly Daniel Morad from Winwood Racing he's on the move up to third position so made up a couple of three places in that first racing lap we know that car is quick so now it's Porsche Mercedes Mercedes McLaren Porsche Porsche Mercedes in the top seven but Stephen McAleer has pulled out 2.4 seconds Mark Miller trying to clear the traffic as Morad again looks down the inside yeah and that that's is a move Mark, for second place that was a move on Mark Miller for second in the face car absolutely Morad is absolutely target acquired and he's moved to the head of the chasing group behind Stephen McAleer what an opening couple of laps for Daniel Morad Tremendous restart by, by, by Daniel. Fastest at the first session there yesterday morning. So he was the guy who, who learned this track uh, the quickest, if you like. Uh, so we know the car is fast. He was, uh, he was uh, right up in the, in the second session uh, as well with that number 57 car. So he's, uh, he's up into a challenging position now, up into second position. And uh, already, I think, on this lap, he has reduced the deficit by about a half a second to Stephen McAleer. One minute, 17.7. For Daniel Morad in second place in number 57 again with Mercedes to 118.4 for Stephen McAleer. So three quarters of a second faster. Jesse Lazer is not up to speed in the motorsports in action. McLaren, Christian Simchat from Arillo Racing in the bright orange car. 72 has just gone through, so that's at least three or four cars. And now again, it's not quick down the straight either. Enjoy hand from Akumbi McAleer racing in the Ford Mustang that he took over from Jensen Altman. Remember that car started dead last uh, after the uh, after the infringement in qualifying. Three across the track at turn three. And my goodness me, that was a bit leery for a moment. Uh, Scott Andrews, Gregory Leofus, Robin Liddell all involved in that one of the Turner Motorsports cars that must have been Robbie Foley that was in there as well yes it was accelerating performance with the Michael Cooper driven Aston Martin with a distinctive green and yellow front to that car also involved now is the ah the Mia McLaren has damage on the right hand side and the very brightly coloured door mirror is hanging loose so there's been a bit of contact there I wonder if that's not something out of true for Jesse Lazar, Jeremy, and he's now dropped down to 10th position. Yes, he has, and uh, Luca Mars is on a bit of a charge as well in the, the second of the Fords, car number 59. Uh, he's uh, ahead of the car with which we ride now, which is Robbie Foley. So uh, he's uh, Luca Mars, the youngster, just 17 years of age from, uh, from Pennsylvania. He's getting a move on here. That Ford has had all, they had all sorts of problems in the first two practice sessions. They had problems with the, the ABS system. They had problems with the diff, differential overheating uh, dramatically. But uh, hopefully they've got those problems solved. And he's certainly running and showing good speed now. And a full second taken out of the leader by Daniel Morad in the number 57 of Windworld Racing Mercedes against Stephen McAleer in the RS1. Porsche now what I can't tell you uh, very easily is what the tactics were at the pit stop for the RS1 and, and whether they took tyres when Eric Pilgueras got out of that car and it's it's not even a second anymore it's down to 0.3 of a second at the front of the field as the leaders are coming onto that long straight of Franklin 
lapped car ahead still is Scott Andrews, who's pulled away just a little bit from the lead battle, but it is on at the front of the field. In the slipstream, in the draft, Daniel Morad uh, looming up large in the mirrors of the RS1 Porsche as they go down towards that tricky braking area at turn three, drifting across to the right-hand side of the track. Morad takes an even a wider line to try and square the corner off and get them onto the power in the BMW as best as he can. Mark Miller, another one and a half seconds further back, has uh, got a little bit of uh, breathing space in the Thiers competition machine from Jess West. Well, in the car bomb by Purigan Porsche, at a second and a half between those two. But the leaders at the moment have let battle commence, Jeremy, and with just over half an hour to go, this is a race to the finish and a fight. A fight on the streets. Get your elbows out and do what you need to do. Down the inside at the final corner. My goodness me, that would have been an audacious manoeuvre from Morad. They cross the stripe, complete another lap and go down to turn one. And again, Morad looks down the inside, gets up on the quarter panel. That's very tight indeed. They're side by side on the short shoot between one and two. And Morad goes through. Excellent driving by both. Here comes Mark Miller in the 78, the face car. He's right there too. He's got a great run down the long straight all of a sudden it's all come together at the front of the field excellent driving great respect great skill phenomenal racing yeah that was a bold move there down the inside at turn one there's not many passes being made at turn one and steve mcleer was wise enough to give him enough space to make that pass there's no contact between either so really good driving between those two but uh, D D daniel morad he's got a, he's on a mission here right now in that windward racing mercedes have had uh, they've had good pace in each of the races so far this season but no results to show for it oh it was just outstanding there was a perhaps an opportunity uh, coming on to the start straight he's about a quarter and then a half but he's got uh, up the inside and i think also the problem there for uh, stephen mcgillier was he was on the dirty part of the track it could have been an absolute disaster for both of them there's no touch there right up on the kerb on the left-hand side by the 57 windward car at turn one and by the time they got through to turn number two the pass was all done and dusted and mark miller wanting a bit of that as well and in fact stephen mcgillier who is having to defend just moving about under braking a little bit uh, behind them is the car bomb with peregrine porsche so mercedes from porsche from mercedes from porsche and porsche with elliot skier not too far behind only another second back and what do we know about anything on racing uh, racing tracks particularly on tight circuits if you start to fight you will start to slow yourself down and here comes Elliot Skier in that bright yellow Nola sports car the battle for second is about to go from two to three and then three to four cards with Daniel Morad just starting to put a little bit of a gap a little bit of a breathing space into that battle for the remaining two steps on the box. Jeremy Shaw, this is quality stuff. Yeah, good racing, isn't it? And uh, still uh, just about half an hour remaining in this race, so uh, plenty more action, I think, still to come. The fastest man on the track, though, is Scott Andrews in that cut number 27, Lone Star Mercedes. He's the guy that got past the race leader. He's pulled away, not a lot, he's pulled away a little bit. He's got the fastest lap of the race now down to a 1 minute 15.879. And that is the fastest lap of the weekend so far by Scott Andrews, uh, the uh, Australian driver based these days in Miami. But uh, behind him, it's the other Mercedes of Daniel Morris that leads Stephen McAleer 
is uh, as, uh, still hanging on there in that second position, just there, Mark Miller and Jeff Westfall. And uh, only a second or so behind them is Elliot Skier, who's closing up uh, in that Nola Sport Porsche. And Christian Shimjak, the championship leader, yes. in sixth position as well. Christian Simjak can see a wheelbarrow full of points just ahead of him. He's a second away from essentially being on the back of the battle for second position. And that this is going to be a fabulous drive for that 72 car if they can get through uh, to make some more points. Now, can he close the gap? Maybe he can. How aggressive is he going to be with the championship lead on the line? But I've got to say, I'm hugely impressed by what Daniel Morad has done before and after the cessation of hostilities for that longish yellow flag period he is now pulling away he's not just over one second ahead he's over two seconds ahead of this battle and that's because Stephen McAleer remember we're not sure what happened with the tyres and it's been super hot on the track temperatures up over 50 celsius well into the late 20s early 30s fahrenheit it's dropped it's dropped back to merely 46 Celsius or 115 Fahrenheit at the moment. I get the feeling that Stephen McAleer here, Jeremy, is now fighting a little bit of a rear guard action to try and keep these guys back as long as he can. And that might not be long enough because Mark Miller looks like he's got performance to spare in that phase competition by MC squared Mercedes AMG. Yeah, it's been a while since uh, Mark has uh, driven a GT4 car, but he's done a nice job here, uh, taking over from Michael Demio, who drove an excellent first stint in that brand new team here. Boy, has that team showed that it belongs at the top level in the Michelin Pilot Challenge because uh, uh, because Mark Miller now is really putting the pressure onto Stephen McAleer as they head down into turn eight and nine, last couple of corners on this lap, and it's uh, nothing to choose between those two. Here we go, here we go, Miller takes the wide line onto the front straight to the finish straight if you will can he pull the same move as Morad he saw what happened he doesn't get the overlap into turn one though almost had it into turn nine now what's the exit of turn two going to be like oh it's a little bit maybe a little bit of understeer but Mark squared it off again and he's right under the rear wing of that little Porsche that Mercedes looks much bigger front engine car remember against the mid engine Porsche Miller goes to driver's right, shows the front of the car, but he's not in position there, but he's forcing the second place car to go defensive and now dies down the inside. Fantastic manoeuvre from Miller if he pulls this one off through the dummy to the right, cut back to the left, but Stephen McAlee has covered it through turn four into down the hill to turn five. Now this is brilliant stuff best seat in the house for Jeff Westfall and Elliot Skier because they're watching two absolute masters of their craft going at it hammer and tongs and Christian Shimchak is only a further second behind Do you know Eric Voss he's got six seconds to to get onto these guys but he's just put his fastest lap in because he's in a little bit of clear air and every lap every corner that Stephen McAleer is defending is absolute music to the ears of Winwood Racing and Daniel Morad now nearly four seconds ahead of this quality battle for second place. Yeah, and that Eric Foss in that column of 56, he took the restart in 14th position. He's now up to seventh. 
So he is charging the second of those Murillo uh, Mercedes. As you say, he's got a bit of a gap now uh, to catch up with Christian Shimjak, who is leading the championship, of course. And just uh, the tail end of this lead pack, he'd be exactly where he wants to be for Shimjak right now. Uh, he, he pulled off a brilliant pass to win the race last time out on the West Coast at uh, WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. But right now, he's exactly where he wants to be, in touch with the leaders, picking up good championship points. Yeah, he's there. That one second has become half a second, and now it's not even that. He's about four or five cars lengths uh, off the back of the Nola Sport Porsche ahead of him for Elliott Skier. Now, 25 minutes to go. You don't have to go now. You don't have to push right away. What is the tactics for Shimchak at the front of the championship battle? and sitting at the moment as he is down in sixth position. All of a sudden, just a little gap opening up uh, between the, the Stephen McAleer and Mark Miller battle and Jeff Westfall. Let's see if he can close that one down. Further back down the field, coming into the final corner, Robbie Foley and Michael Cooper battling over 10th position. Yeah. And that was, a ver again, a very strong move by Foley to get right up the inside of the accelerating performance, Aston Martin. Yeah, the, the, uh, uh, Daniel Morris is pulling away at the front, but all sorts of battles farther back down the field. And Joey Hander, he's really struggling in that forward. Uh, he, Spencer Pompelli has passed him now. Uh, Eric Foss got past him only three or four laps ago, and he's just left him for dead. Mm. Two or three laps ago, he's left him uh, absolutely for dead there. He, he, clearly, that uh, number 13 forward is not as fast uh, as it needs to be right now. Uh, Elliot Skier going up the inside of Jeff Westfall for fourth position at turn three and Christian Simchak tried to follow him through but got on the wrong side the left hand side coming down to turn four and the championship leader backed out of that one uh, that was a smart move by him but that skier through up into fourth position Daniel Morad for Winwood Racing by four seconds Stephen McAleer and Mark Miller battling away three quarters of a second ahead of Elliot Skier make that a second now ahead of Elliot Skier now that he's cleared Though Jeff Westfall, let's see how quickly that gap comes down. Foley did get ahead of Michael Cooper for 10th place. Joey Hand is about another three quarters of a second or so up the road from that in the battle for 9th, 10th, 11th. And Luca Mars is right in there. And he's Matt Plum, actually. Um, well, he's about another second further back. Jesse Lazare for that motorsport in action. McLaren Artura. That has not had the pace since the restart. Very interesting. Now, Battle for the lead, down at turn two. And there is Mark Miller, excuse me, that's a battle for second position. Miller gets the overlap, tries to go around the outside. He can't do that and gets a little clip. That could have put him into the wall. Oh, come on, Mark, you know better than that. Stephen McAlee is putting you exactly where he wants you. And that yeah. is in the dirt coming in to turn number four. Yeah, good driving there by, uh, by the second place car Stephen McAleer we saw a pass there during the Indy Lights race by the way around the outside at turn yes. three, all the way around the outside and held on he just had a wheel inside for the right hander that follows he was able to make that pass it's a brilliant move so it is possible even amazingly an open wheel car uh, but uh, it's, it's good racing here for this uh, second position at the moment looks to me as though the Mercedes has an advantage through the twistier parts of the circuit and under braking but just can't get the power down Miller gets a good run out uh, onto Franklin down 
the bumpy surface down towards turn number three. It's a hairpin, but you, you, it's almost like two corners in some respects, a double apex hairpin, if you will, because it's quite open, quite wide. Now, let's see what Mark can do here. He's right on the rear bumper of the Porsche, but again gets held up in the middle of the corner. That's smart driving by Stephen McAleer. He's basically blocking and possibly even slowing, over slowing down in the middle of the corner because he doesn't want Mark Miller to take the momentum through the centre of the corner. Elliot Skiers established himself now, now in fourth position ahead of Jeff Westfall. That's the uh, yellow and white Nola Sport Porsche ahead of the bright orange, uh, uh, sorry, the grey Westfall driven carbon. Then the bright orange Marillo Mercedes of Christian Simchak just on the end of that. Then there's a little bit of a gap. Now remember, it's not that long ago. Is it two or three laps ago? that I said there was a six-second gap between the, the two Murillo racing cars. It's 2.6 seconds now. That is what happens when you're driving defensively. Uh, Stephen McAleer is doing that. He's breaking no rules. He's doing absolutely the right thing. And on a street circuit like this, Jeremy, just putting your car half a car's width one way, three-quarters of a car's width the other, it's not the optimum racing line. So you're slowing your lap time down, but you're making it super difficult for the guys behind to get the proper overtaking opportunity that's exactly right and uh, meanwhile uh, daniel morad he's uh, just three times in the last half a dozen laps has reset his personal best fastest lap in the race he's now comfortable five seconds clear of this tremendous battle four second position that stephen mcclear has at the moment and uh, mark miller now at the, right now he's uh, he seems to be I think probably more concentrated not, not on trying to make the pass for second but on maintaining third ahead of uh, a charging Elliott Skier in that Nola Sport Porsche car number 47. Uh, an amazing run and uh, you've got to wonder when the advantage perhaps that Mark Miller had uh, on tyres is going to go away because sitting behind in the warm air on a hot track with the aerodynamics not working, he's working his Michelin tyres more and more. It's now three that have pulled away. Oh, not a good uh, run out of turn number two for Mark Miller. He's very close to the wall. It gets a bit dusty out there. And all of a sudden, Stephen McAleer has got five, six, seven, eight cars lengths uh, on the Mercedes. But they've that little three-car battle for second, third, fourth has just pulled away from the Jeff Westfall and Christian Simchak and Eric Fosses looming up on them. Now just on two seconds between them. The leader, five seconds to the good. What a drive by Morad before. And look, I know you'll be thinking, yeah, well, you know, he had it lucky. He, he got the safety car when he needed it. Yes, he did in some respects. But Jeremy, before that safety car, he was setting fastest laps of the race. He was on a charge even before the safety car came out. And since then, he's managed, one of the few actually, who's managed to keep up the same pace or better it uh, when the safety car pulled off. Yeah, good point. Uh, and it's certainly interesting to see how this race has kind of fluctuated. We're on board here with uh, with Jerry Hand, uh, I think, at the moment. And uh, having made the pass a few laps ago, Spencer Papelli in that bright... Spencer Papelli ahead of this, isn't it? It is um, indeed the BGP car, bright, yeah, bright yellow. He's not he's not pulling away, surprisingly. Uh, he was initially, but now he's not. In fact, Joey Hand has closed back in again on that 
on that BGB uh, Porsche. Meanwhile, by the way, uh, Scott Andrews has reset fastest lap a couple of times in the last few laps. One 15.3 last time around for Scott Andrews, that kind of a 27. Uh, it's all going to be for naught unless there's another full score of caution, but it's a tremendous performance by the Aussie. It's 43 seconds away from his uh, next up. Make that 32. That's how quick he's going at the ball. 32 seconds away from Matt Plum, who is in 14th position. That's quicker than qualifying, Jeremy, isn't it? That 15-3. That yeah. So that, that's yes. got to be the quickest. The last couple of us have been the, the quickest laps of the week we've seen so far. It's a full second faster than qualifying. Uh, and in qualifying, they didn't go as fast as they had done in practice, as Scott Andrews had, had done mm. in practice. He did a 59 in practice, did Andrews. And uh, the, the qualifying session was held just after the Indy cars. And I think that, yeah, the Michelin rubber didn't react terribly well. I think quite a few people were struggling during a qualifying session to really get the optimum pace out of their cars. But, but now, with all this Michelin rubber laid down during this race so far, it's really coming to these guys and the, 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 uh, the speeds are just getting faster and faster. We've seen uh, three guys there, as Elliot Skier, Jeff Westfall and Christian Zimjak all turned their best laps last time around, 57 laps in the books. Uh, if you're unsure about what Jeremy's talking about there, there's two different ways that uh, tyres give grip to racing cars, slick racing tyres. Uh, one of them is obviously the contact patch itself and how that interacts with the track surface uh, and the suspension of the car and, and how well you are making use of that in terms of the compound of the tyre and the forward progress through the corners. The other is actually a chemical reaction and it's called chemical grip. Now, I am nowhere near proficient enough to tell you exactly how all of that works, but I know that it does work. And what happens when you get different tyre companies uh, at the same racetrack, uh, then that chemical part uh, of the, uh, the grip coefficient, if you will, gets affected by having somebody else's rubber there because you're not actually, your tyres, they're not actually reacting to the track. It's reacting to what's on the surface of the track. And there are places here that you can see quite clearly of a darker racing line. Oh, problem for the Nola Sport car. Problem for the Nola Sport of Mike, uh, of Elliot Skier, excuse me. That was fourth position. Jeff Westwell just driven through. Now, was that a clip of the wall coming out of turn two? There's something not right with the yellow, white and black car. Uh, and that has cost him a huge amount of time. Just seemed to slow there. And it would be right-hand side if he clipped the wall coming out of turn number two. And that car is struggling, Jeremy. Just not up to pace at all. No, he's dropped a lot of ground here, hasn't he? He's, uh, I wonder whether Spetsman Penny might have had a similar problem in number 83 car that's next back down the racetrack because he's losing ground uh, to... Uh, at least a half a second a lap to the other contenders and that's unusual for Spencer because we know how fast he is down into the last 15 one five minutes of this race and what a cracker it has been we likened it earlier on to a bit of sparring at the beginning of a world championship heavyweight fight well they're all throwing their haymakers now coming into the last couple of rounds to possibly flog the analogy a little bit too far to be quite honest but that has been a real issue for Nola Sport did not pit though so he must think that there's something he can do to 
uh, to affect that in the 47 car of Elliot Skier has dropped down to seventh position and dropped a good six seconds I would think to the battle that he was in uh, before that the leader by the way Daniel Morad has just eased his pace a tiny bit the last couple of laps and his lead has come down a wee bit but still a very healthy 4.2 seconds Stephen McAleer with a second now on Mark Miller who put his and the Thiers competition by MC squared Mercedes best lap in last time around and Stephen McAleer uh, responds to that and Mark Miller responds to that and there's a lot of light colours uh, on the timing screen now which means even without looking at the numbers Jeremy we know that people are still finding performance here in the last 13 and a half minutes of the Chevrolet Detroit Sports Car Classic really interesting isn't it and the two Murillo Mercedes are now together again Eric Foss has caught Christian Shimjak uh, so they are right behind Jeff Westfall in the uh, car barn with Peregrine racing at Porsche. That's the battle then for fourth, fifth and sixth. And that is the championship leader, Christian Shimchak, who uh, it seems not so very long ago we were talking about being outside the top ten. Then he's made his way up to about eighth. And then there was a couple of kerfuffles and skirmishes around him. And he was onto the battle for second place. And now he's up into fifth with that uh, slowing Nola Sport Elliot Skier car. Elliot Skier's got back up to speed. He did a 16.4 last time around. His best lap is a 16.3. So something very strange going on with that number 47 Porsche, Jeremy. Yeah, that is odd, isn't it? And uh, that's certainly good news. The bad news is he's three seconds behind that uh, group of cars with which he was battling. A little further back, there's something hanging off Joey, Joey Hand's Mustang. On the side of it there, but he still managed to just about to stay ahead of uh, Robbie Foley, and the two of them are tracking close behind Spencer Pompelli, who uh, his last time around was a 17-0, which again is not too bad. But uh, Jerry Hand actually just said his best lap of the race, one minute 16.7 on that last lap. Well, there's going to be some people in the windward pit who are biting their nails at the moment, uh, waiting for this cut. When you're leading, the clock seems to go very slowly. When you're chasing, it looks like it's double time. Well, at the moment, the Windward crew are urging on their driver, Daniel Morad. Bryce Ward, who did his job at the start of the race, stayed out of trouble and gave the car over to his teammate in a position and in a state that Daniel Morad could immediately start setting some very fast times. It was early, yes it was, and they knew that they would need help from a safety car period, and when that came, my goodness, he doubled down on the pace that he had shown before that yellow came out, and he's carved his way through to the lead. Yes, he got a little bit lucky, and the team got a little bit lucky on that uh, safety car, but you cannot fault the aggression and the absolutely outstanding, clean, decisive overtaking manoeuvres that have been made by Daniel Morad in that Wimwood Racing car, Jeremy, to get him to the front of the field. It's been a cracking drive. It certainly has. The, the, other, the other Mercedes was going really fast. That Lone Star Racing car number 27, Scott Andrews, was on the tail end lead lap there. He's no, not any longer. He's brought that car into the pit lane. That car has now been retired. So some sort of a problem there for the number 27 having set 
uh, comfortably the fastest ah. lap in a race of 1 minute 15.3. Yeah, they were going to get a penalty anyway because they were uh, they were um, turning their wheels. The wheels were rotating whilst it was ele elevated. But as you say, that won't now be served. The car has gone behind the wall. That's a shame. Scott Andrews showing real pace there for Lone Star Racing. One fifteen three is the fastest GT4 GS time we've seen in this meeting. And the two Murillo cars have exchanged positions. It's now the, the car with the with the uh, the black middle, if you like, as opposed to the blue middle uh, section of the car uh, of, of Christian Shimjak. So Eric Poss now ahead of uh, Shimjak for uh, what is now fifth position. So Little uh, kiss on the wall for the number eighty eight. Aston, just a moment or two ago, Patrick Lindsay for Archangel Motorsport, finding the absolute limit of the circuit. He might have just got away with that. They had the service penalty uh, earlier on as well, which dropped them a wee bit further down than I think they'd like to be. Those two Murillo cars are now ganging up on uh, Jeff Westfall. It's number 39 Carbon, the grain green Porsche. Uh, and he has behind him two very hungry-looking Murillo Racing Mercedes, Eric Voss ahead of Christian Simchak. Interesting that Voss went through. It is, a, it is an internecine battle between those two, with Simchak leading the championship. But ultimately, I suppose, at this relatively early stage of the season, Jeremy, uh, it's still every team and every driver for themselves. Uh, yeah, true that. Um, you know, uh Last year, Eric Foss finished second in the championship, and this year, currently, he's running in the sixth position in the championship, and only 160 behind their teammates. So they're still very much in contention, uh, and he's having—he was actually tied on points with Elliot Skier and Adam Adelson. So fifth and sixth were tied on 600 points coming into this weekend, but now Eric Foss is a couple of positions ahead of that Nola Sport Porsche. Jeremy Shaw and John Hindoff as we head inside the last 10 minutes live from the IMSA Global Broadcast Centre with coverage for you in sound and vision of the IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge Chevrolet Detroit Sports Car Classic and still this battle continues how long has Mark Miller now been sitting behind uh, that number 28 RS1, he will know every single piece of livery, every nut and bolt. He can probably see the part number on the back of that uh, Porsche's rear wing there ahead of him. He's tried a couple of times, but we've not seen anything uh, particularly uh, aggressive from Mark from uh, for a little while now. Certainly nothing concerted. Sits in, though, close enough to make sure that Stephen McAleer cannot rest. A single mistake, missing a braking point by just half a car's length, and Mark is there to pick up the pieces. The concentration by both of these drivers being shown here, Jeremy, is absolutely exemplary. It is, isn't it? And uh, both of those two uh, have set their fastest laps uh, just in the last few laps, too, so... Uh, this battle is second for second place position certainly heating up here uh, and they pulled away now from jeff westfall who set his best lap on the last lap around as well at one minute 15.8 for car number 39 the car bomb with peregrine racing uh, it's a black and green car just ahead of eric boss in the in the bronze and black and white murillo racing mercedes 
Those cars are leaning so hard on the right rear Michelin as they come through five at six and seven. It's a really getting a hard ride. Now the Nola Sport car, whatever was ailing it, Elliot Skier earlier on, um, isn't. Hello, it's self-fixing car, because that never happens. Going down into turn one, he's putting pressure on championship leader Christian Simchak and forces Simchak to go very defensively into turn one, and it's cut back move down the inside into turn two. That's a classic, and it's done in the best way possible. Plenty of room left between the two cars, and whatever it was that was ailing Elliot Skier's Nola Sport isn't anymore. He's gone through. That's a position gain back into the top six for the Nola Sport Porsche number 47. Brilliant manoeuvre. Really was, and uh, th that's exactly what he needed at, at that stage. He, he needs, you know, it's, it's very close in points. Uh, Kenny Murillo and Christian Shimjak in number 72 car, they have a, a pretty handy lead coming into this weekend at a 70 point, uh, excuse me, a 90 point lead over Robbie Foley and Vin, Vin Barletta, who were second in the points table. They're driving number 96 BMW. It's currently now down in the ninth position. But uh, every point every point counts. And this battle for second place is still very much on between Stephen McAleer and Mark Miller. Almost, Under five almost minutes. matching their fastest laps of the race. <laughs> Incredible that the drivers, the cars, and the Michelin tyres uh, on this street circuit where the temperature remains in triple digits Fahrenheit 109 and that is the chilliest that we've had the least warm that we've had here that's 43 Fahrenheit air temperatures stayed around about the same 28 29 since the start of the race but we are getting of course because we're on a downtown track we are getting the shadows coming across the track now from the taller buildings here oh little mistake by the number 39 and that's Jeff Westphal and Carbon going a touch wide at turn three just got off kilter with his braking on the bumps and is this the opportunity for Eric Voss there was for a moment but my goodness what a smart unfussed unpanicked piece of driving there from Jeff Westphal Jeremy to regain his composure and put the car exactly where Eric Voss didn't want it to be yeah, that's right. Oops, is that the Ooh. bit that fell off uh, Joey Hans' car, I think, and being collected by uh, a whole bunch of cars running a little bit farther back down the pack. That's unfortunate. A big piece of debris. I think it must have been off the Ford, because uh, we saw it hanging off earlier through, on. But yeah, through five, I wonder six, if it was a problem. For, oh, I was going to say, I wonder if it's a problem for Christian Shimjak because he was slowing quite dramatically compared to everybody else. Having said that, he's just said his best lap of the race in caliber 72. That's bizarre. I'm going to be intrigued to hear what the drivers have got to say and what we can read on IMSA.com uh, and the socials and the websites from the team about how the drivers have described this because it's been really tough to call who's had the advantage. A little bit of a love tap there is the battle for second. Stephen McAleer and Mark Miller. Uh, Mark throwing the dummy again, going one way and then cutting back and Stephen covering that down the inside. I think that was all right. Stephen made the one move to defend. Oh, Mark Miller washes out through turn at number four and into five, six and seven now. And just the front end of that Mercedes maybe looking a little less planted than it was. We knew the tyres would uh, start to go away, but my goodness, 
they've held up really well. Uh, Michelin moment of the race, Jeremy. Uh, some worthy contenders here. Um, what's, uh, what's caught your eye? And the stories perhaps haven't even finished being written at the moment, but uh, well, where do you think that Michelin, that set of Michelin tyres should be going? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, what, what a debut by uh, Faye's competition. Yes. Uh, by uh, by uh, uh, M squared, I mean, M2 squared. They've done a super, super job uh, all the way through for their first time uh, at this level. Really, uh, hats off to that en entire team there. They've, uh, they've been absolutely superb uh, throughout this race and uh, running you know, right there uh, in contention still to... Uh, uh, Fasal Ahmad there, who's the team principal there, uh, and uh, the, the uh, race engineer is Grant Barkley. They've just done a great job all the way through True. this event. Tell you what, though, I wonder whether some of these guys are struggling on fuel, whether that was a problem for ah. number 72 car. Because, yeah, yes, it was a lengthy caution period, but they certainly came in very, very early. I think we're going to have this lap and one more to the chequered flag. Well, I'm going to go with you, Jeremy. Uh, I'm going to I was going to mention the first competition by MC Squared. And, and I think, I mean, Mark Miller, we know what he, how good. The white flag is out, actually. White flag is out. So let's get this done quickly. Yeah. Um, Mark there, Miller, we, we assume oh. always to be very good. But I, I think that opening stint, you were right, Jeremy. The experience shown in that, uh, uh, that uh, early stint shows that, uh, um, okay, a little bit of time away from, from this style of racing has... It's still like to me, no, uh, no harm whatsoever, and that will be our Michelin moment of the race. It kept the minute, he didn't lose his curl, and Mark Miller is fighting for second position in their first outing in a very, very competitive field of the IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge. There's also a good battle going on behind between Jeff Westfall and Eric Voss as well for fourth and fifth position. It's going to be Daniel Morad and Winwood Racing and uh, congratulations to them. Morad has driven superbly, both before and after the interruption for that nasty looking incident down at turn three, uh, when the accelerating performance Aston Martin was attacked by the Turner Motorsport BMW and went right over the roof. But here's the win that Bryce Ward has been waiting for. He keeps telling us he's going to retire. There'll be no thoughts of that now as through comes Morad to win. And the team, what a team. It's a big family down there. They'll take that one. Winwood Racing win at the end. Daniel Morad easing his pace, uh, but still winning by 2.4 seconds. What a defensive drive in the second half of the race, Jeremy, by RS1, Stephen McAleer, to bring that car home in second. And a maiden podium on their debut for Mark Miller and the rest of the first competition by MC Squared. You mentioned he's the only Michigan native in the race. This one is going to be very emotional for Mark and the rest of the team. What a cracking race, particularly that second half. And can we just say, everybody else who's here this weekend racing, you can race, you can be side-by-side, side, and you can overtake. A little golf clap, Jeremy, from me to all the teams and drivers this weekend who have shown impeccable restraint and respect for one another. Great race. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely right. And uh, yeah, two of the teams that finished on the podium last time out on the podium again now. Bryce Ward and Daniel Morris, they finished third last time out in California. Uh, and that was a tremendous performance. And that car has been fast all weekend long. Bryce did a really good job in qualifying to put that car 11th on the grid. Hey, look, he's, he's not a professional driver uh, and he's... Uh, He's not, not the youngest of spring chickens either, but uh, he still drives like one. That was a tremendous effort he did in qualifying. Good first stint, and uh, Daniel Mora did, did the rest. Yeah, I'm very pleased for Bryce. We, we've watched that team uh, develop over the last handful of years. It was a big jump up into professional racing when they uh, came up into it. Uh, they've run a split team. They've... Uh, 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 expand, expanded into Europe and into the DTM as well and as I say Bryce for quite some time uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to drive anymore in fact he stepped away for a little while he's been he has been uh, tempted back into the GT4 ranks and a third and a first in the last two outings tells you all you need to know about how much that team and that man in particular and Russell Wardy's son will be absolutely on top of the world after that. Let's just confirm the results for you then at the end of the 100 minutes. It is Winwood Racing and Mercedes-Benz AMG, the number 57 car having completed 71 laps uh, that wins it from RS1 in second, Porsche, the number 28, and Mark Miller uh, with the Thais competition MC squared Mercedes what a debut in this championship uh, at the end it was the top 13 cars that were still on the lead lap and some phenomenal times being put in, put in at the end Lone Star Racing's not, not their day although they took the fastest lap of the race courtesy of Scott Andrews but the day belongs to Daniel Morad and Bryce Ward at the end of the race, they'll be swapping stories tonight. They'll they're like a good meal and a good sit down, and a good bit of uh, a good bit of chat. Uh, there's plenty of places to do that uh, in Mortertown. Jeremy, let's have a look at the championship points as we yeah. head away from this race. Yeah, and then of course that's the first win for both of those guys. General Moore has only had three previous starts in the Michelin Pilot Challenge all this year, of course, but uh, his first win. Uh, Bryce Ward has had uh, a couple of second positions, so uh, finally tops up with his first win. Yeah, points. Uh, Kenny Marullo and Christian Shimjak in the number 72 car that finished seventh today. They came in the lead into this race with the championship lead and will maintain it on 1,000 points, even unofficially at this stage. Uh, into second position now, jumping from ninth in the points with a second place finish today. Stephen McAleer and Eric Fulgaris will have 900 to the 890 of Robbie Foley and Vin Barletta, the 880 of Tom Collingwood and Spencer Papelli, who finished in the eighth position. So it really is very, very tight. Uh, so, uh, you know, 100 point lead for the number 72 team, but you know, not that much in a manufacturer's championship. Uh, uh, remarkably, Porsche and Mercedes dominated the top eight positions on the grid, so they will maintain their positions first and second in the manufacturer championship. 1300 now for Mercedes to the 1240 of Porsche. BMW are the third place manufacturer, they will score third place points in the manufacturer battle. They're on 1200 in third place. Oh, that was brilliant stuff, Jeremy. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, it was uh, perhaps 
a, uh, an experiment, maybe. But I tell you what, sometimes those experiments pay off. What a great start to the season that we've had on the high banks of Sebring, on the bumps, the high banks of Daytona, on the bumps of Sebring, uh, and then across to the west coast and to WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna Seca. We've been waiting for somebody to repeat uh, on the podium, and it comes today with Winwood Racing, who take the victory on the streets of Mortar Time, the rest of the season coming on IMSA Radio and IMSA TV. Thanks to our team, John Hindorf and Jeremy Shaw in the IMSA broadcast booth, the Global Broadcast Centre will reconvene for IMSA at the Sealands, six hours of the Glen at the end of June. But don't forget, we're ramping up our content and our coverage of the Le Mans 24 hours, the 100th anniversary running of that. And that starts tomorrow over on RadioLeMans.com and throughout the week as well as on XM Sirius uh, next weekend. I think that's a success, Jeremy. I didn't know what to expect from the single class, uh, single class racing here. I think we'll count that as a success. Well done to IMSA and everybody concerned. Uh, I think we can have another one of those. Thanks very much, don't you? I think that was great. Yeah, I mean, you know, last time out on the West Coast was a brilliant race. This was there was one caution period which unfortunately was extended, but other than that, it was a clean race and some great competition going on there. Some really respectful driving as well, uh, and yeah, super competitive. Great results, I think, for the championship here. Great to see the Michelin Pilot Challenge here on the streets of Detroit. And representing IMSA and uh, the rest of the IMSA series in great style. Thank you for being with us. Enjoy the rest of your motor racing weekend. Whatever you've got to do, uh, hopefully it'll be a good one for you. I'm John Hindhoff. For Jeremy Shaw, our hard-working team at the track and at NASCAR Productions at Charlotte have done a cracking job. We'll see you next time. Sail in six hours of the Glen. Bye-bye. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, check imsaradio.com and subscribe to IMSA Radio wherever you get your podcasts.